Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. We are here today with a special guest. It is my friend, Satch, who we don't hang out enough, <laughs> we, but we're going we to, I think, after today. Um, Satch, welcome to the corner. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for being here. I wanted to, uh, what we usually do is we delve deep into your past. We want to hear about you. We want to hear about your upbringing, where you were from, where you're born. So who's Satch? Where were you born? Satch is um, me. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, Long Island, New York. Long Island, Strong Island. All right. Strong Island. <laughs> um, adopted. Oh, adopted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're adopted. Um, yeah, I was adopted actually into my own family by my aunt. Okay. Um, my birth, my biological mother was struggling with some substance abuse issues. Uh -huh. um, and uh, knew that she couldn't take care of me. So my aunt stepped in graciously um, and gave me the most wonderful life um, that I could ever, I mean, the most, the, the best life I could ever ask for. So your aunt adopted you. So you still had, your parents were still around. I mean, not in your life closely, but. Yes. I mean, my biological mother was gone for some period of time uh -huh. um, and then kind of came back after she'd gotten her stuff together uh -huh. um i mean has lived an amazing life since getting clean herself mm -hmm. got her masters all right. this stuff do um, you see her as your mother like you say mom to her or do you say mom to your aunt i no, i say mom to my aunt okay um, my mom <laughs> it's it's confusing but for me there was a period of discomfort where mm -hmm. um i couldn't be around her mm -hmm. you know what i mean just yeah. because of like my anger and my feelings mm -hmm. um and everything like that and so it's just it kind of i needed time to heal sure and now i've got a relationship with her um could it be stronger yes mm -hmm. is that something that i need to work on absolutely mm -hmm. um so before we, we even went on the air like i was asking you because you told me your dad is Israeli and was was Israeli and black. He mm -hmm. passed away when you were five and a half or mm -hmm. six months over. Mm -hmm. Is that on your aunt's side or on your mother and father biological side? Biological. Okay. Yeah. And then he wasn't really around, or mm -hmm. he had taken off when you were super young. I mean, he just there was he wasn't a presence. Okay. You know what I mean? Just absent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, what was it like growing up in Long Island? Did you have any siblings? Uh, yeah, I have two brothers. Um, they're yep. great. Younger, older? Uh, I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my youngest brother is nine months, mm. nine and a half months younger than I am. I'm October. He's July. Okay. Um, and then my youngest brother was born when I was like 13. Mm. Yeah. So. And growing up there was fun? Did yeah, you like I mean, it? Was, it? It was chill. <laughs> I mean, Long Island's uh, like, I, it, I love Long Island. It's, uh, it was definitely, it was, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, there was just a lot of, uh, a lot of things I didn't understand. You know what I mean? Like necessarily there was, um, we were a well-to-do family. Uh -huh. So there wasn't a lot of people with my skin tone mm -hmm. around me ever. Yeah. So from a very young age i realized that there was something different about me right um and that's kind of what goes into um you know everything mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it just it played a part in everything and it plays a part in so much of my life now mm -hmm. um now that i know right you know what i mean um the effect that it could have mm -hmm. uh 
but it was great. Uh, I didn't do anything bad right. until until Texas. That was uh, that was when things got got pretty hairy. So before you moved to Texas, like knowing growing up with your aunt, knowing like your mother's not well, mm -hmm. did you know like did did people let you know mom's on drugs? Not necessarily like that. It uh -huh. was just uh, stay away from drugs because our family has an addiction, um, an problem. addiction problem. So I you hadn't not. started? Were I you knew. like a straight edge kid? Like just I won't mess with yeah. that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I was I was, I was drug free until, um, until I was 18. 18. So what happened that you moved to Texas? Why Texas? Um, just needed a change. Wanted a change. You wanted it? No. Or the family wanted yeah, it yeah they wanted to move out of new york uh yeah, yeah okay so they which part of texas uh austin oh like the la of texas. yeah yeah, okay. yeah um love it loved it loved it love it still love it uh, i love austin the only thing i hate about austin is the summer yeah it's super hot it's so hot crazy hot it's so hot yeah um but it was great i mean i i made the strongest friendships i've ever made in texas mm-hmm um, you know, it's just, uh, true quality friendships that I still have to this day, um, mm -hmm. regardless of if they're sober or not, you know what I mean? Right. So, so between 15 and 18, I mean, you hadn't even started using drugs yet. So you just were making friends. Right. Okay. And going to like school, high school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went to a fine arts high school. Uh, I, I am. Are you an actor? I'm an actor. Are you a singer? I'm a singer. Okay. I'm a dancer. All right. You know, I, I, um, talented. I'd like to say that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, um, when you went to school, like, did you excel? I mean, you were sober. You weren't even doing anything. Yeah, I mean, right? it was. You had fun. I I had fun, but mm -hmm. like, it took. We'll get into this later, okay. but it was uh, it was fun until until it wasn't right you know um i enjoyed it mm -hmm. i had a good time uh let me ask you this question you're very openly gay yes <laughs> when uh, did were you ever with girls uh in high school yeah okay i was it was awful, it was <laughs> awful. most of my gay friends that were with yeah. girls say that it was awful right. it was not cool were I you forcing not... yourself to be because yes, you felt because like i felt like it was like normal i felt like okay yeah this is what people are supposed to do did you know you were gay oh yeah you, when did you know Pesh, i've known i was gay since the minute i would like could perceive a thought okay you know what I, mean? okay. Like, I knew that that um and that's what's that's what's so empowering about it is that i, I knew that i was gay uh -huh. and I hit it for a while, but after, I mean, like around 17, I was just like, yo, fuck. Yeah, I can't do all this girl stuff. Like, come I on, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And so I told my mom, I remember it like it was yesterday, I was sitting in a um, <laughs> grocery store parking lot mm -hmm. and like, we're about to go in and go shopping or something. And she's, and I'm like, She's like, okay, let's go. And I just blurted out, Mom, I'm gay. <laughs> and she just. <laughs> Did she know? Absolutely. She already you know? knew. Yeah. I mean, you know, she She's gets, like, she what, goes, what are you telling me? Tell me something goes, I don't already know. Okay. <laughs> I was like, 
That's all you have to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like looking for that, like heart to heart moment, you know? Uh, and she's like, okay, just cause you're gay. Doesn't mean you don't have to help with the groceries. Get out of the car. Oh, you even care. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I'm super grateful that my mom has shown me nothing but love and support for, um, through everything. Awesome. You know, I love gave that. me distance when it was best for her mm -hmm. in terms of like me not listening and right. destroying our relationship. But other than that, I mean, she's been there all always. So between like growing up in Texas, between 15 and 18, did you, were you still of the mindset? Like uh, I'm more talented. I'm going to chase my dreams. I want to be an a, a actor, singer, all that stuff. Like, Drugs were not in, in your thought process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you started at 18, that's kind of like kind of a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. I know. So, so what know. happened? Um, I mean, I was, uh, yeah, I danced a lot. I, I, I dove into dance like really hard mm -hmm. uh, for a while through those years, pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, singing was always like right there with it. Um, I started writing songs when i was 15 mm -hmm. um, and they were awful they were terrible <laughs> i was like this is this i'm this is i'm going to fail this is i'm never gonna be good at this right um but as i grew you know my songwriting got a lot better mm -hmm. um that was the years of like that those years were a passion project mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and then realizing how hard life can get is what kind of made me turn away from that mm -hmm. you know um a self uh negative self-talk fear of failure is, um, is that what you mean when you say how hard life can get not about fail of success, failure yeah, of success well i mean like attempts and fails did you want to be a star yeah who doesn't you know no i mean, I mean obviously yeah, yeah i uh i definitely did i i wanted to to do something great and i've had a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. um but it just kind of came down to you know, what is realistic, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially with my mom having, you know, such an illustrious Ivy League college experience mm -hmm. and wanting that for me um, mm -hmm. and me instead wanting to take a year off after graduation to like focus on the arts, mm -hmm. you know, she was supportive, but Looking back on it, I'm like, why didn't I just go to school? <laughs> right, right. So, what happened? Like, was it, was it alcohol first? Was it drugs? Like, what did you? Who? Where did it first start? Opiates. Why opiates? Because I got my wisdom teeth taken out, and that was like the first out of body experience I've had with a substance. Was it Vicodin? Yes. And so you were prescribed some Vicodin for the pain. Mm -hmm. And the moment that it hit my stomach and I felt that warm, just sensation, dude, I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to feel like this forever. You know? And then you chase, like, did you stop taking as, as prescribed, abuse it and then mm -hmm. seek more? Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> I, I used that script because of course my mom is like not thinking anything of it you right. know here are your meds if you're hurt and take it yeah. and then she's realizing in three days that everything's gone you know well she didn't think you were going to turn into a full-blown addict right right so what did you just re-up it <laughs> yeah um and then um it had two refills on it mm -hmm. and i was like all right cool but after that second refill was gone i didn't know what to do so what'd you do well i <laughs> 
I had some friends who I knew used like Xanax mm-hmm. and, um, and I was like, Hey, I don't know where to get any Vicodin. Can what you help me? Can you help me? Yeah. And the way that conversation ended was like, well, I don't have any Vicodin, but I've got something that's a lot better than that. And what was that? And it was heroin. Straight heroin? Straight heroin. Was it black tar heroin? Black tar. That's what they had in Texas. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the China mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. Okay. So were you scared? Um, I mean, when you hear heroin. Yeah, I, mean, you... I mean, of course, I was like, oh. Uh, but of course, like, I didn't care. Right. So I was like, yeah, let's let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what did they say? Like, this is how we do this. We smoke it? No, they said, this is how we do this here. Give me your arm and close your eyes. Seriously? Yeah. So you went from taking pills, <laughs> Vicodin yeah. pills, to straight shooting heroin? I got, I got so sick. I got so sick. Um, but it was incredible. Mm. To this day, I say, I tell people all the time, if there was a way that I could do heroin mm-hmm. and not suffer any of the consequences right. that come from drug addiction, right. like tearing up my body, destroying my relationships with yes. friends and family, I would do it every day. I mean, it's the ultimate euphoria. Oh, yeah. I mean, know? it's nothing has ever touched that first high ever. Right. And I chased that for seven years. Did you? Did it ever feel like the first high? I mean... No. Right. No, it was good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would get real close, right? But it was it would never truly um, manifest the way it did that first time. Now, when you were you shooting it the whole time, all seven years, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> was it? Did did you ever share needles? I mean, I hope that you don't mind me asking. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Um, yes, I did. Um, did you get Hep C? No. Lucky. I, I'm fucking dodge the camera. I, I am, I'm not kidding. I'm beyond blessed. I, I don't understand. Right. Uh, uh, as far as um, did you know? Like, fuck, what the fuck has become of my life? My, my like, I, I'm throwing it all away. The talent, all that. I mean, were you still performing? Uh, yeah, I was still singing. I was still writing. This um, is all I would do open mics and stuff still. But like the thing that was crazy is that my friends who would come to my open mics who hadn't seen me mm-hmm. for a while would be like, "What's become of you?" Like, dude, you look fucked up. Yeah. yeah, like because I mean, I'd be standing there and like my eyes Strung out, rolling in my head. You know what I mean? And um, a big thing that also happened through dance and like doing that so much as I developed a crippling eating disorder. Oh, I, we, we said we were going to talk about this. Yeah. What happened there? Was it body dysmorphia? Was it what, why? Um, because I'm a big guy, like regardless of mm-hmm. strung out or, you know, I am a large man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was skin and bones, but those are still big bones. You know, skin what I mean? and bones in your addiction. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, um, and it was because of the of the bulimia, okay, and binging and purging, and so you were I all that. was. I wanted to be so much smaller, mm-hmm. and I realized that like you can't shrink your bones, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I would just make myself violently ill. Throwing up. Yeah, just so sick, and. Um, so, so you you're both bulimic and a heroin addict at the time. Yes. Okay. And any alcohol, anything else? Man, I I mean, I I drink, but like I hated it. 
I always hated it. Always have. I was like, this shit sucks. Like, this doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. I don't like the people I'm with when I'm drinking. Right. Like, I don't like myself when I'm drinking. I turn into a blubbering mess mm-hmm. when I get drunk. Um, any stimulants? Were you using any of those during that time? Yeah. Like meth? meth. meth. Mm-hmm. I mean, meth is huge in the gay world. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is all happening in your mid-20s, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. Then what? Like, did you did some things start to happen to where you needed to get uh, seek help? Oh, I mean, I've been seeking help the entire time. When, you know, and, and ultimately, it was like a. At first, it was like I want attention, mm-hmm. um, and then from there, it kind of spiraled out of control. I remember the first time I went home and told my mom, like, "Hey, I've been using drugs. I don't know what to do." She was terrified, right? And I could just see it in her. Um, and so that was the first time I went to treatment. I mean, there were, there what'd she say? Like, we have to get you help right away. This isn't good. Yeah. She's like, lay here on this couch. You're not going anywhere. We're setting you up with a detox. How old were you then? 20. Oh, so this is way early. Mm -hmm. 20, 20. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I went to treatment on and off for five years. In Texas? Texas, um, Vegas. Uh, California. What was happening in treatment? Were you were you not interested? I mean, I would go and I would be like, "Look, like I know my mom paid for this shit. I'm not going to do what you." She was paying me. for this, or it was on insurance. She was paying for it's for some cheap. of it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. after a certain amount of of Paul of uh, treatment stays, my mm-hmm. insurance stopped paying for behavioral health. Right. So after that, it mm-hmm. was just my mom. Okay. You know, just supporting. Mm-hmm. And so, how many treatment centers did you go to? Twenty-seven. That's a lot of fucking treatment. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a lot of treatment centers. Twenty-seven. Yeah, man. Yeah. So were you lasting like 30, 60, 90 in, in some of them? Were you even? Were you sometimes uh, just going? Just I would for never details? do ninety. I would always do like thirty. Thirty. Yeah. And then I would go to like sober living or something. And um, did you get involved in like the recovery community, like meetings, twelve step meetings? Yeah, I did. But I, I mean, of course, if you if you have those doubts in your head and you go in with a doubtful mind, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I you just kind of just shrugged it off. I kind of just shrugged it off, yeah. honestly. Um, I chose my first sponsor because I thought he was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up teaching me a lot like after he was no longer sponsoring me, right. just through seeing his presence on social media and seeing everything he's walked through. And, and I realized how selfish that was of me. This is uh, later when you got sober. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. real sober. Yeah. Like real, like yeah. real sober. I mean, uh, the other times I would consider, I mean, I did the same thing. Like not, I didn't go to 27 treatment centers, but I would quit, but it was like me just taking a break. Yeah. Yeah. And I would go back and wonder why things got worse uh-huh. every single time so much faster. I remember like my mom was, I, I'd been at sober living for like 90 days mm-hmm. and I was like, and my friend Brian, who I had gotten into that sober living with because he made me want to get sober. Mm-hmm. Um, he had left and I was like, um, mom, I'm ready to come home. And she's like, okay. So I move home. Three days later, I'm sitting in a car in a jack-in-the-box parking lot. Like, loaded. Rigging my arm, like, out, you know? Um, 
you know, it's a trip. Like if I saw, if I didn't know you and I was like at the mall or some shit and saw you walking, especially with your get down the way you carry, I would never think like this guy did heroin. <laughs> this guy's chilling with a needle in his <laughs> I mean, neck. I would never imagine that. You know, you do not look like like. I mean, I, you 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 dress, you clean up real well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I pride myself now on being able to present myself in a way that I know represents my family well, mm-hmm. myself, you know, because I come from a powerful family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, I was not harnessing that power. Mm-hmm. I was using it and abusing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you're in addiction, you, you don't care. Oh, no. You just don't care. Yeah. So 27 treatment centers, what happened? What, why a shift? What, what made you actually like really, really say, fuck this. I'm ready to like change my life. Where did you go? I went to Desert Hope. I know Desert Hope. Mm-hmm. I went to Desert Hope. You know uh, Earl Hopkins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was there. I went there twice. Uh-huh. Um, one right after the other. And I was a nightmare. The entire time I was there, both times, a complete nightmare. I'm not doing this. The shit client. Oh, just I'm the client that, like, in our industry, that I hate. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm that guy. Yeah. And so now that I have the clarity behind years of sobriety, mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, cut that shit out. Oh yeah. I'm talking to those clients, but because I used to be because I was yeah. literally that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know exactly what clicked. I. Um, I went to this program called Turning Pages in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. and um, it's closed now. Mm-hmm. Uh, May that program rest in peace, because mm-hmm. um, that was that program was a mess. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. Um, and I was there for about a month. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine from Desert Hope also came out to that program, and I found him dead in the bathroom like two weeks after that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, if I don't get out of this program, I'm going to get high. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I pull, I'm the one pulling my friend out of the bathroom, like blue, you know, dead. Yeah. Like the EMTs are up there working on them for 30 minutes. And then, you know, I'm standing there just watching them. And they're like, we got to call, we got to call it, you know? And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking like, that was, I I've narcanned a ton of people. I, you know, revived overdosed people, but mm-hmm. like I had never seen somebody die like that. Right. You know, um, and I was just like, oh my god. And I was doing some some fuck shit. To be honest, I was I was dating <laughs> my house manager, mm-hmm. who also worked in the office at the program. So every day I'd see him, like, oh god, I was, ugh, it was, was all such- that. I was, dude, I was such a mess mm-hmm. um, because I'm looking for that validation mm-hmm. because like feeling empty and only having like 30 days sober from substances and an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I'm like struggling with that. In every eating disorder aspect. had been going on all these years, oh, all the treatments. I mean, yeah. Purging in, in, mm-hmm. in treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, until Desert Hope because they, they uh, stuck a staff member with me. To make sure you weren't. Mm-hmm. Which was annoying as shit. I remember that was just like, I couldn't do anything. Purging becomes an addiction within itself. Absolutely. It's the ritual of it. Yes. Um, and then it's, I also find myself doing it when I feel like I'm losing control. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, it's a mind fuck. It's, uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. It's, um, it's something that 
you can't describe. Right. Because it doesn't make sense to somebody who doesn't have that that mentality unless there's years of study behind it, you know? And so the mentality, for those that don't know, is if somebody has a eating disorder or a body dysmorphia, for example, where they feel like they're never um, at the right type of weight, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They think that the philosophy behind it, I think the psychology behind it is like, I'm going to eat this food right now, but I'm also going to throw it up so that it doesn't digest and right. then I will not put on weight. Right. And if I do it, what comes with that though? Like your teeth get rotted out. Uh, I mean, my teeth, I'm still dealing with my teeth. Uh-huh. Like uh, the damage I have done. It's because of the acid in the stomach mm-hmm. that comes back up and mm-hmm. kind of rots out the enamel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like the person will lose weight because they're not, they're still eating, but it, like you say, ritual, like they're eating, but they're also getting rid of it thinking like this is okay but then it's not okay but i know i'm not well mm-hmm. but it's become a way of life right right um and after a while the behavior becomes so ingrained that mm-hmm. like it's a normal part of your life and right. so like when people try to tell me to stop mm-hmm. and like take that away that was just as big of an issue for me as the substance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because like when the substance wasn't getting me well right in my mind that was like making it so that i can continue the day without having that run through my mind all day mm-hmm. you know i mean that's the only way i can really explain it so you were in this program in huntington beach you found your friend dead you were doing some stuff with your house manager what happened why why the shift um they kicked me out because i had some opinions on the fact that brent had died mm-hmm. and uh and they said, you have two hours to find another place to go. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what I was doing. So I looked up drug alcohol rehab. I looked at Windward Way, Hotel California, mm-hmm. and then called Zen Recovery Path. I remember Zen. And, uh, barn Yard. Barn Life. Barn Life. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they took me. Um, you wanted to go get that holistic recovery. What I wanted was I wanted a place that would take me and get me the fuck out of that place. Oh, that place. Yeah. And... Uh, and so I went to, to back then it was Zen Recovery Zen. Path. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember they're like, okay, so we've got a room for you, but you're going to have to wait for a couple hours before we can take you to housing. And I was like, okay, that's fine. They're like, yeah, the person who was in your room mm-hmm. passed away last night. So we need to clean the room. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> God. I said no. I'm not, oh I'm not living in that house. I'm not, like I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not living in this house. So uh, basically, they my hair is a mess. My hair has been obsolete for 25 years. Wow. If I had your hair right now, I would be very happy. I, I honestly would switch places with you right now. Just um, ADD, straight up from like a very. <laughs> Talking about that room to like your hair. What? Okay. Shot, 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 shot. <laughs> okay. Um, so they're like, all right, so here's what we can do. We work with a sober living called Treehouse. I said, okay. Music to my ears. I said, okay. You know how I feel about Treehouse. I'll be loving Treehouse. <laughs> I said, okay, what do I need to do? Uh, and they said, um, we're going to have you meet. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. We're going to have you uh, interview with 
the housing director, Veggie. And I said, mm. first off, what kind of name is that? Uh-huh. Veggie? Like, Veggie? No, <laughs> ve- Veggie. Yeah. I said, okay. Uh, chew, you know? Right? <laughs> and uh, Bless you. <laughs> and there, he's like, he can meet with you now if you want to go and head over there. And to I, interview as a to, client. As a, re- as a resident for resident. housing. Okay. And so I go, okay, for sure. So run over to this house. Uh, get dropped off by the van. I knock on the door and mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and Betsy opens the door and he has just been hit by like a truck. Mm-hmm. Like he was on a bike and a truck. Oh, literally. In Irvine. Yeah. Like a couple of weeks before. And mm-hmm. so he's got like a, a cane or not a cane crutches, his arms in a sling. He's all bruised up. And right. I was like, oh my God. What happened like, to you? Where am I? Yeah. You know? Um, he sat down, he interviewed me, asked me questions about like what my sobriety and like what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he let me in graciously. Mm-hmm. And that housing aspect is what kept me sober. I wouldn't necessarily say that Zen Recovery Path kept me sober. I would say that um, the housing, the brotherhood that was created at Treehouse, um, at Treehouse is what what kept me sober like to this day i i accredit all my success to that um that first year of stability um in housing i i must say and i, I want sorry to cut you off no but this is what matters to me there was a time i used to work at a place called solid landings behavioral health in costa mesa mm. and sometimes we would send our most troubled clients to the ones that like just were shit shows like the nightmare clients we would send them over to Treehouse. They had an outpatient. They were intensive, like major intensive. Oh, like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like, na- like Navy SEALs Navy in- seal intensive, shit. like down at the beach at five something in the morning, you know, doing shit, like out there active as fuck. And so I always uh, respected what, what they do at Treehouse. I know they have a sober living component, but I know that they have an outpatient too. Mm-hmm. So were you in their outpatient and their sober living? Bet she tried. That you tried to get me to go to their outpatient. I mm-hmm. saw he showed me a video on YouTube of them like in the ocean at five in the morning. Yeah. And, like these waves are flipping these boats over and right. kids are flying. I said, absolutely. No, I go, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolute. My bougie ass. Yeah, no, yeah. Won't catch me. So just straight sober living. Well, catch me dead. dead. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Darling. Our disease manifests itself in many ways. Cutting bathroom powerful. Absolutely. You're a great interviewer, and he's awesome too. Oh, thank you. And Nicole. <laughs> Nicole. Nicole. Oh, you look fabulous, darling. Oh <laughs> Hold on. Is that, she's probably talking to you. <laughs> no, she's talking about you. The hair. The hair. Okay. So, so then you're at Treehouse, and what happened? Like, did you just, uh, in that time, how long were you there? Uh, I was there. I had two months sober when I got there. I moved out a year to the day that I arrived there. So I made sure I stayed in housing for a full 12 months there. When you went in with the two months that you had, were you in a mindset that I'm going to stay sober now? Or were you wishy-washy, but they but going into that treehouse environment? I was so fucked up when I, I mean, because all the shit that I had been through at Turning Pages, mm-hmm. I didn't trust anybody. Right. I felt that everybody was out to get me. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And um, I mean, that was that was like what it came down to was like my inability to like well, the number one thing I learned at Treehouse was how to accept love from another man, mm-hmm. um, how to trust another man, because mm-hmm. a big part of my story also is um, I escorted and I, I was a sex worker for mm-hmm. 
a while. Was this how old were you when you did all that? From the age of twenty two to to twenty six. In Austin. Yeah. On drugs. Oh yeah. And like bulimic and all that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you lived in that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I understand. I mean, you know, my mom cuts me off. I got to find a way to make money. Right. You know, and party city ain't cutting it, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> um, it, it's easy money. I was a Yeah. I mean, I, I was a server at P.F. Chang's and I would make good money there, but I got fired twice for being caught shooting up in the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Twice. Dude, they let me go to treatment right. and come back. And then I was there for like five months doing great. And then it was the single, it was like a single bathroom. Yeah. Like it wasn't even a stalled bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I was just so sick one day. I just went in, closed the door, didn't lock it. And mm -hmm. was just with my apron wrapped around my arm with, as soon as like my, of course, my hiring manager happens to open the bathroom door. And he's just like, again, like that's literally what he said, you know, overdoses. Did you overdose? <sighs> I mean, in all those treatment episodes, was that what was happening? You would, you would overdose and it was a problem. And mm -hmm. Okay, so you experienced that too. I experienced overdose. You're, I mean, you're basically a like dead man walking. Eight, eight times. Yeah. yeah. You're a dead man walking. Yeah. Good. I love, that you, <laughs> I love that you turned it around. Great. I love you're a dead man walking. <laughs> so you're at Treehouse. Now you've learned that culture. You took it serious. You were a, a, a resident. you got to watch the terminology. You were a resident there for a year? Yes. And you got one year sober, and then you graduated. I got one more, one year sober, um, two months actually before I left, mm -hmm. um, and then I moved in with a sponsor that I had at the time. Mm -hmm. Lived with him for another year, um, and then I moved. In. I mean, I just I've lived. I've had several different sets of roommates, mm -hmm. and one way or another, they haven't worked out. Um, until I moved in with uh, my most my most recent no longer roommate, I don't yeah, know yeah. I said, uh, Ethan. I lived with him for three years, um, and then he moved on. And now I uh, live with my roommate Clay, mm -hmm. who I've actually known for like fifteen years. He he's known me mm -hmm. um, through all of that, mm -hmm. like all the crazy stuff. Um, I remember the first funny story is like the first time I met him, he like had his mom's van and like pulled it up to my mom's house. Mm -hmm. And my friend Brian was in the van with him and he's like, come smoke weed. This is my friend Clay. And I look at the van and I'm like, uh, -uh. <laughs> <laughs> and now he lives with me. No, he lives with we're you. both sober. He's sober. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I met you first when you, I believe you were either working at Treehouse or you were volunteering or I think it was like when you had a one or two years sober, like you had me come out and speak at their fire uh, mm -hmm. fire pit meeting, mm -hmm. oh, which yeah. I love that fire pit meeting. I've been there before. And and so it was nice to be back in that environment. That's when I met you. And you seemed like you were very active. What I really loved about coming and seeing the way you were was how you were with the other guys. Like you were so hands on and everyone loved you. And I thought, this dude's interesting. Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, like I, I think I like Satch. Like Aww. this is a good guy. And so from there... Obviously, you then expanded your horizons. You uh, have worked in various places for different treatment centers, doing business development, mm -hmm. helping people get the help that they need. Um, what What are you doing now? Like, who's Satch today? Um, Satch, <laughs> this is so so surreal to like have this conversation, but. Um, 
I'd like to say that I'm a compassionate and understanding man who has been through a lot and can understand a lot. Mm-hmm. That, and I feel like that makes it me relatable right. to people. Um, not to dismiss anybody who hasn't struggled with addiction and still works in this field. My hat's off to you and I commend you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I had that block. Mm-hmm. If the person that I was talking to, if my therapist, if my case manager hadn't suffered directly, I didn't feel like I could be truly authentic, Mm -hmm. you know? You mean like Um, they self-disclosed and told mm -hmm. you what they had suffered with, Mm -hmm. such as bulimia, Mm -hmm. heroin addiction, Mm -hmm. things like that? Somebody's saying something right here. She says, I suffered from bulimia long before Princess Di made it popular. I didn't even know that she did that. Okay, I didn't know what what it was. I just knew I was crazy. Alcoholics Anonymous fixed me. I have lived a sober, clean life for 40 years. I wow. never got treated for an eating disorder. Spiritual principles solve all my problems. Awesome. Fantastic. So Good for you. Over the years that you've been doing this type of work, I mean, you help men and women get the help that they need. Do you often, uh, do you meet a lot of men that have bulimia too? Because I know a lot of. Um, I've met. A handful. Yeah. Um, those who struggle don't usually disclose. Yeah. Honestly, especially um, males. Uh, why is that um, stigma? Yeah. You know, m- um, amongst other things. Right. I. Uh, it's it's crazy to think about that because I was so vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I got sober, I stopped talking about it. Right. Um, until I started struggling again mm-hmm. in sobriety. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out mm-hmm. uh, and I told everybody in my support group because like that's the, I knew that like, if I kept it to myself, right. I was going to spiral out of control again. Um, it's weird because eating disorder recovery is so different. Uh, you can lapse and not lose everything you've learned. Mm-hmm. It's much different than the way that it's handled. Right. Um, in you know the the alcohol and drug space but it's still i mean but that guilt mm. is still there just as readily you know like i like finding finding love mm-hmm. is something that has been so eye opening to me because i see somebody and all i feel mm-hmm. is like my inadequacies and and my still shortcomings today at times Especially in the not not like in my everyday life, right. but um, when it comes to like self love, uh-huh. self image, uh-huh. um, I still I still struggle with sure. stuff. Um, and the person that I'm that I'm talking to right now shows nothing but appreciation, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like. Like, what's up? Like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Have you ever been in love? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I definitely think so. Like, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I love the person that I'm with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he, uh, it's a very different situation that right. he and I are going through. Um, we've come from very different backgrounds and um, but he's super closeted. So he's like super bro-y 
around everybody. And then when it's just he and I, it's like a completely different person. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like I understand that. Right. So I'm not gonna be like, why are you acting like this? Right. You know. Um I just I feel supported and and I feel accepted and and I feel like he's he's kind and understanding and he's not a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> like, like that's I go for the monsters. You know what I mean? I go for the people that will use me, abuse me, tell me I'm not shit, and then um, steal from me. Oh <laughs> you know? man. Ah! No, I wish I was joking, but like my track record with men is not, um, not it. Mm. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I'm just letting y'all into my life right now. (laughs) This is crazy. I love your transparency. I love your openness. I mean, I, I have to be or else I get drunk. Right. You know what I mean? So with recovery right now, I mean, you know, like I see a lot of people come and go, but it seems like Satch is here to stay. Like you've embraced this way of life. Um, yeah. You know, I I have been able to celebrate myself mm-hmm. in sobriety uh, in a way that I was never able to um, when I wasn't. Um, I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. I mean, words, I can't even like tap. I can't even touch on it with words. You know, it's just... Uh, Life is so different. And this chair is making weird noises. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that it's the chair mm-hmm. and not me. Um, I guess I just, um, life has changed so much with each year that I gain. I learn something new. Um, I learn how to be a big lover of, of, of people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and if I like, if I don't love you, I learn something from our interaction mm. that I could maybe change or do differently in regards to meeting other people. Um, but it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. You know, I feel, I, I love how I feel and I'd love to feel this way for the rest of my life. Um, nothing is written in stone. So I'm not going to just say that 100%. Yes, I am here to stay because anything can happen, but mm. I, I like the idea of of staying, you know. And Good. I think that I'll... We need you, Satch. <laughs> You're kind of a big deal to me oh, and many others. Stop it. No, seriously. Like you help a lot of people. You truly do, and we we need more of that. Thank you. There's too many people that are lost on their path, and it sounds like you have found a good path that you've been on and you've remained on for a while now. Man. Six years in March, you say? I'll have seven. Seven in March. In March. Sorry, I don't want to. <laughs> Take away from recovery. <laughs> it's it's a blessing, man. Um, this is not of my doing because if it were up to me, I'd be high right now. Right. You know, so something bigger, something better. I think we've touched on a lot of great things today. This is helpful to many. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are are suffering from eating disorders that. When, the more we talk about it, the more we let people know that they're not alone. Absolutely. Um, when I see somebody that was highly talented like yourself or even myself, I was in drama and in a lot of different theater and things like that. People don't know that. But like in high school, I, I loved it. I loved learning my lines. I loved performing. And so uh, to see us get into the throes of addiction the way we did, like so, be so consumed by it, just drowning, just drowning in that abyss of like, 
death. Mm. Like we just, well, you don't even know how the fuck to get out of it. Right. Right. To see us come out of that and be effective in helping other people. I believe that we're doing God's work. Absolutely. I truly do. Absolutely. Um, I love you. I I, pre- I wanted well, you on here too. for a while now, so I finally got you. <laughs> it happened. And it I, happened. I think this makes uh, this now makes it more easier for us to be able to hang out more because we really should. Absolutely. Because we both bougie. We <laughs> if you're with your purple your purple X five. Please. I love you very much. Thanks I for coming out too. to the corner. Thank you for having. Me. Bye, guys. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in on a Sunday at eleven. Bye. <laughs>